0: This week, we're talking about the gonial angle, how to inject it, and why you sometimes get a good result and sometimes get a weird result depending on how you do it. So, let's dive in, understand the anatomy better so that you can inject better and do a better job for your patients. This is all about the gonial angle. So, how does the gonial angle relate to beautifying or feminizing a face? So the foundational elements of the face are best exemplified by using one of these computer models where they generate a very simple version of a human head, but we all recognize it immediately to be what it is. And these low-poly representations of the human head tell us what is most important in terms of the aesthetics of the face. And if you look at any of them, they will have a gonial angle. Of course, they also have the other structures leading into them, So you'll see chin, cheek, temple angles, and the brow ridges. And these form the most important elements of the aesthetic of the face. So I find it really useful to think about the face in this way because that allows me to decide which structures are missing or need enhancing and which ones need blending in or softening. And this is really key to understanding why we inject the gonial angle. Essentially, we are trying to create that important definition, the junction between the neck and the jawline. To keep that separate gives us the framing element of the jawline. I often think about the face as being a bit like a presentation box for the eyes where we're essentially framing them. And if you think about the jawline and the cheek, these create two triangles, which almost look like a presentation as they lead up towards the eyes, which are framed by the eyebrows and the cheeks, which also support the eyes. And this is essentially what is important with the gonial angle. It's the, it's the bottom base layer of that framing mechanism from an aesthetic point of view. At least that's how I perceive it. So when we're injecting the gonial angle, we are trying to create that definition, the change of angle, and the shadow underneath the jawline that actually creates a more beautiful face. But, of course, if you think of those same poly structures, but imagine projecting them out too far, we can also downgrade the face. It is possible to create a more masculine face, and this happens, unfortunately, a lot these days, where injectors are modifying a face, particularly from one view, and it's only when they turn to face the front that you realize you've either lowered the angle of the jaw so much that the heart shape is softened, or that you have projected it out laterally so much that the competition with the cheek becomes lost and it becomes a more masculine feature when it's overly projected. Very easy to do when you look at the face just from one angle while you're doing your procedure. So our aesthetic reasons for injecting this area are that we either want to create a sharper angle from the side because it may be lost a lot of people as they get older it becomes more rounded and we want to create that change of angle which creates our, the sensation in our brain of a clearly defined jaw jawline, which is associated with beauty or we want to project it more widely particularly in males you may want to project more widely to masculinize a face Men with small jaw bones tend to look more youthful, but that's not always good in terms of masculine attractiveness. We want something often that represents more strength, and a hypertrophied master muscle or a projected jaw from dermal filler will give exactly that same impression of strength. So for men, it's more around strength. For women, it's more around definition. So let's think about, in terms of projection, what different types of projection will cause. So we can get the angle of the jaw to project outwards, and this will, be, will create a more masculine shape as the jaw starts to compete with the cheek, like it does in a male face. And we can also create inferior projection, and this is also masculinizing, but it's because you're doing the opposite of what a heart-shaped face should be. If you imagine a heart, as you project the jawline down and lateral, you're essentially widening that element of the heart shape and this this is also a masculinizing feature but it is sometimes needed so that you can see the definition which is the other the other element so projection does these two different things but we're often trying to get it just right so we create definition and shadow without creating a masculine face in a female in terms of the ideal injection location what i tend to do in most of my female patients is feel for the shape of the existing bone. So I'm looking for that change of angle. I feel for the posterior surface, the inferior surface, and the lateral surface. And then I'm much more oriented with where I want to inject. I'm typically injecting on the lateral aspect if I want definition. It's quite rare in a female that I would want to lower it in any way possible. So that might happen in a masculine face, but typically I'm in, I'm creating lateral projection to create definition. And so I'm focused more on injecting on the lateral aspect. If you want to create a more heart-shaped face and they happen to have a relatively low gonial angle you can actually inject a little bit above it so two one to two centimeters higher up on on the mandible and you can actually create the sensation that the change of angle is happening higher up often combining this with a chin treatment will create a more heart-shaped more youthful face in a female but is not something you typically want to do in a male face So why would you inject here? One of the things I look for as an indication to treat would be a relatively slim face, but without any definition. So if you feel like the the cheek is fading so gradually into the neck that you can barely tell the difference, but there's already good cheek structure, so you're not worried about that competition in terms of masculinization, just the lack of that shadow here is one reason why I might treat the gonial angle. The other thing that tends to be more for older patients, if I see the signs of volume loss around the lateral face, Often that's to do with creases in the ears, but also just the general shape of it. You can see that there's a loss of fat there, uh, and that gives me a clue that adding that volume back may help with creating definition and structure and potentially a little bit of leverage over the master muscle to do the opposite of what we talked about in the master reduction complication, which is the the formation of a jowl. If you put filler behind the master and enough of it, I believe it creates a degree of support for the jowl, makes it easier to lift and and blend in the jowl as you're injecting lower down in the face. So what are the risks of injecting in this area? Now, I have actually met one clinician who told me she'd had a vascular occlusion in this area, but I personally have never seen one here or seen a case report but of course there are blood vessels everywhere, it is possible. I don't think in terms of vascular occlusion it's particularly high risk if you are injecting in the most commonplace people inject. Um, I have experienced on a couple of occasions with older females the crumbling of bone when you inject and it's quite often the case with postmenopausal women that the bone thins out in this area in fact you can see it many of us have seen this on scans of the bone at different ages it's one of the ways that you can age a skeleton is that you lose bone in that part of the gonial angle now unfortunately you can sometimes feel that when you're injecting and the the needle will sink straight into the periosteum which is rather unsettling i, w- I will say i've never seen a complication from that but i don't feel comfortable injecting it it just makes me feel like i don't really know where this filler's is going going and injecting into the bone marrow or something odd like that. So uh, I would always try and rest where I think the periosteum should be and not push into it, Uh, although I've never seen a complication from that. The other structure that's close to this area is the parotid gland, and it is possible to injure a parotid gland when injecting, although I think this happens more often with cannula, and it involves tearing of the surface of the parotid that then causes a swelling that doesn't have an associated bruise that you typically get, and it can be associated with eating. So as they eat, they swell afterwards, and that usually gets better on its own, but it's a very disturbing side effect. So uh, it's one of those where you just need to be mapping out where you think the parotid is likely to be and staying away from those structures. As I said, it's not typically how I would do a, a gonial angle because I tend to use needle, although um, lots of people do use cannulas. And in those cases, if you're injecting around that area, just be aware that you're close to the parotid and that tearing feeling that might be okay in the dermis may not be okay if it's a parotid land that you're tearing through. So be careful of that one. Now, when you're injecting this area, you will find that quite often you find it quite hard to actually hit the gonial angle. Often the needle wants to go past it and and you feel like you should be about to touch periosteum and it just keeps on going. Now, in my mind's eye, I'm obviously very aware of the carotid uh, vessels underneath. And there is this awful thought of imagine someone managed to inject filler straight into the carotid. Now, I think the anatomy is on our side, which is the distance is probably too far. But I still think it's wise to know that those vessels are nearby And it's important not to inject without knowing that you're resting on the periosteum. So it just gives me uh, pause for thought, the idea of those bigger vessels behind there. And, you know, human anatomy is highly variable. Uh, I always refer back to a patient I met many years ago uh, as a junior doctor who had his radial artery on the back of his wrist. And I was trying to do an ABG, and he told me it was on the back. And I remember ignoring him, thinking there's no way your radial artery is on the back of your wrist. And lo and behold, uh, it was. After a few minutes of me palpating around, he said, I told you, it's up here. And there it was, pulsating on the wrong side of his wrist. So the the anatomy could be surprising. And I just wouldn't recommend injecting in that area, um, certainly not without aspirating and without knowing where the tip of your needle is, just in case there's some sort of unusual anatomy and you end up injecting filler straight into one of those large vessels in the neck. So you will find it hard to hit find that area sometimes. Usually people are pointed to inferior, so come out, change angle, and go in slowly, and I sometimes just, where I believe it should be, will slow down and try and palpate gently until I feel that reassuring touch of the needle onto the periosteum if you're doing it with a needle. Now, if you're using a cannula, you're much less likely to have anything like that problem because you're angled in a different way. We should be in parallel with it. Now the downside with a cannula is that you may be too superficial now if you're too superficial then you end up with a safe procedure but it's little sometimes less good aesthetically if you're above the smas so one of the key things around the anatomy in this area is the layers of the tissue if you're in the superficial fat pad you're going to have a different result when your jaw moves the key to filler that moves with the movement of the jaw is that you're deep enough that you it, it moves with the bone. And you can do that by placing it directly onto the bone or by using a cannula and trying to get as deep as you can. But if you're in the layer above, which does give you better definition, which is why people do it, because it's closer to the surface, you can see the filler more clearly and it creates a more defined shape. But the downside is this movement where you see the jawline emerge from underneath the filler. And that's just another little debate you need to have with yourself about which is in the best interests of the patient and how you can balance those forces to get good definition in such a way as hopefully it doesn't disturb the patient when they see themselves moving. So overall when injecting this area, my top tip for you first of all is to think about the face in three dimensions. You'll watch the best injectors oscillate around the bed. We move a lot trying to see this structure in three dimensions. You don't just stand on one side of the bed and inject all of your product, getting it nice and straight, and then look at the frontal view, because what you'll find is a percentage of the time you've turned a young female into an adolescent male in terms of their appearance. So we want to be careful not to do that. That's the aesthetic complication I see happening quite a lot, which you must be aware of do it slowly sometimes it's better to under treat and have less definition rather than to create a more masculinized female because that does upset young females and um, so make sure you don't do that by thinking in three dimensions and looking all the time at the whole face not just the area that you're injecting in terms of safety i don't think it's a particularly high risk area but if you're if you just orient yourself with the bone by feeling for those surfaces posterior surface the lateral surface and the inferior surface It's also good practice to isolate where the facial artery is. And once you know all of those boundaries, you're likely to be injecting in a good spot that should be safe for your patients.